Welcome, welcome, guys, to another episode. Welcome to the show. Yes, thank you. Uh, we have our distinguished guest uh, coming back for part two, Dr. Eric Mitchell. Uh, he's an MD, and we just want to continue this fascinating conversation we're having with him and uh, talking about the history of the plant and his involvement as an uh, orthopedic doctor and a surgeon and um, what his plans and what he's doing um, moving forward. So, Dr. Mitchell, welcome back. Hey, thank you very much for having me back, both of you. I'm glad to be back. Yes, um, where we left off, I mean, it was in-depth. I mean, there's things that we knew of, but then there was things that you added to that just, like, just kind of opened our eyes. Yeah, mind-blowing. Yes, definitely. So please continue. And um, in reference to the history we've you know we've touched on but also what led you to you know getting into the field of studying cannabis and hemp well again it was the opioid epidemic and because um i realized that um maine had a special and that's where i live i live in maine and um there's there's been an evolutionary process going on since 1995 and let me give special credits to Dr. Mikaria. Dr. Mikaria uh, sacrificed uh, an awful lot um, because he wanted to help a couple of guys uh, that were his patients. Uh, one of them had AIDS, and the medication was making them nauseous. And you have to understand the United States pharmaceutical companies had tried to reproduce the uh, pharmacological um component of, of, of nine delta tetrahydrocannabinoid or THC. And Dr. Micaria helped to get Proposition 215 passed in California in 1996. Now, he was put under a lot of stress and they took his license. The medical community took his license because of what I told you earlier or told you in the previous show that, you know, doctors did not want to miss with cannabis in any way because it jeopardized their DEA license. Okay? So uh, Dr. Mikaria put his on the line, and he got Proposition 215, which was an alternative medical program where people could get a certificate to use cannabis as an alternative medicine, a, as a compassionate alternative medicine. And in 1997, Oregon created an alternative medical program. In 1998, the state of Washington created this alternative medical program. In 1999, Maine and Alaska created this alternative medical program. And those were the first four, five. Now we have 36 states that have an alternative medical program. So this was this was very monu- this was very important and monumental um, because uh, it it gave people a chance to understand that it was more than um, to, than to get high. It was um, they we still didn't have the ability to study it uh, with any great degree because uh, it, even going before the Supreme Court they said that we could not study it. So. A lot of, and there was science going on now around it. I mean, from 1962, when Dr. Raphael Mashula, an Israeli doctor, encapsulated CBD and THC, okay, 
it took him, he studied this for 30 years as it became the endocannabinoid system. And we had different scientists understanding that we made cannabinoids in our body. We made phytocannabinoids in our body, two of them principally. One name is an anamide, and the other one known as 2-AG because it's too long to pronounce. <laughs> uh, well, I was talking about the whole um, synergetic component of, of cannabis and TVL. There are many, many terpenes, there are many, many flavonoids, there are many things in it that we want to use to its fullest medical potential. And that takes research. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to send you an article, a six-page article I just did that, that kind of enca- en- en- encapsulates the history but tells you where we have to go. And we have a lot more research to do because we have a lot of, of unknowns. And we have to get peer review, yes. golden standard research for physicians to be, for, to be put in medical school. When the Farm Bill of 2018 was passed, 87% of allopathic medical schools, MDs, like my school, the University of Pennsylvania, did not teach, did not have a department. So, so we have a lot of work to do. And we just opened up prison gates from in two ways. Prison gates from the standpoint that a lot of people's, a lot of states now have come point where they are letting people out of prison and they're, they're, they're expunging their, their medical uh, legal records uh, because this is a plant that uh, is now uh, becoming much more legally uh, directed. 14 states, 14 and maybe even 15 states now have recreational programs. So how are you going to lock up somebody in that state when now they, yeah. can, uh, they can go to a dispensary in Pache? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. So so there's a lot of social justice that's wrapped in this in this plan as well. Yes. A lot, yes. They got a lot of work to do with that and uh, trying to fix it as well because it seems that now they're trying to use the industry to pay for their misdeeds. <laughs> well stated. Um, <laughs> and, and, yeah, and it's, it's just it's going. It's a natural flip. Okay, there are two sides of the coin, and they flip the coin, and they're going to use whatever they can. But it's still about dollars. In yeah. sense, what did I read tonight? That I see that one state that that cannabis just outstripped the alcohol uh, production. We know that in Colorado, that started their um, medical, that started their um, um, recreational program. That was in the first year. Um, they had superseded uh, and knocked down the alcohol revenues by twenty five percent. Nice. And studies that have shown that there's been no increase in automobile accidents exactly because of cannabis. Yeah, yeah, and that's what a lot of people, you know, are nervous about that it's going to be an increase. But the studies have shown that yeah, it's it otherwise. doesn't. So let's talk about um, your take on cannabis use and kids, children. As you know about our son and and you know what we're using it has been really a miracle for him. So I want to know your take on it. Um, my take is uh, indicative of the article that just came out in the mm-hmm. first parent, a first time parent magazine.com, 
where um, I've written an article with a dynamic young lady, uh, Mrs. Grimes, who is a cannabis nurse out of Maryland. And um, if you can uh, suggest that your 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 public goes uh, to Amazon and gets Asa's Medicine, A-S-A, apostrophe S, Asa's Medicine. And it's about a little boy that's like uh, in, the, in the third, fourth grade that is going to a new school. And he's more concerned, of course, about what sneakers he has on, whether he's going to be accepted for the sneakers or whether he's, you know, going to be okay with his backpack. He was worried about those things that, that society makes important until he finds out that um, he asked the teacher to go see the nurse because he needs his cannabis. And when that word comes out, the kids think that he's a drug addict or that he's on drugs. And Ace's Medicine is 39, 41 pages long, mostly illustration, but it talks about how fast we, we, we make rash decisions. And, and uh, Raul is, is one of the ones that jumps him, and then the nurse comes in and explains, you know, that this is a, a, a botanical, that this is a plant medicine versus pharmaceutical medicine. And so um, the book is out. You can get it on Amazon called Aces Medicine, and uh, I certainly in, in encourage everyone to do that. You all have a very, very strong background. Um, then I wrote the article, uh, Parents, Retrain Your Brain. Kids Need CBD Too. And, that, uh, and that's out today in, uh, in the uh, parent magazine, in the first-time parent magazine. And we're really pleased because it is a non-cannabis publication that feels that it's important for people to know in the general public. Now, um, Ms. Grimes and I have just started um, Nurse Grimes and Dr. Mitchell have just started the, the second book of the series. And um, it'll probably, I'm not sure what to call it yet, but it's probably going to be Charlotte's Day. And it's going to be Charlotte at, um, she's at uh, a doctor's office, and when a little girl named Sage, S-A-G-E, comes in, she's six years old, she's Asian, she's a biracial kid, and she has the shakes at night. And she has a type of epilepsy that mostly affects at night, and, and she shakes, and um, she's on a cocktail of different pharmaceuticals, and her mother is, um, is, is searching desperately, like Charlotte's mother and father searched desperately for Dr. G., who is an Afro-American physician that is going to see Sage and start her on um, on uh, CBD and THC? Okay, and uh, we're going to find trying to find a good way for her to take it, such that we don't have to put oil under her tongue. Because as a six-year-older, that that might be not a that might be a nebulous concept, but if we put it in, in one of um, her drinks or something that she really enjoys, then it will be um, easy. So, so we are going to go through and constitute the book, the second book uh, that we're going to um, talk about kids and, and and their interactions. And, and in reality, it's a celebration to a large extent because it was Charlotte's Web, okay, that helped to de-demonize. Yeah. Okay, the, the the whole there was the Rick Simpson oil uh, that helped to de to decriminalize and allow the FDA to give the very first group, the first patent 
to a synthetic C CBD product known as Epidiolex, mm -hmm. which which is six thousand dollars a month, which is terribly expensive. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so so we um we, we we can talk maybe at another time about the caregivers and and what we had non medical personnel you know learning about the plant. They were botanists and they were you know um, um, people that that had a vested interest in um, in plant-based medicine. Now, I got my plant-based medicine um, 101, 202, and 303 when I was selected to go to China on an ambassadorial program to China in sports medicine. That was 1986. And it shook my world. It shook my Western medicine world to pieces. What I saw, what I witnessed firsthand was the fact that what they were doing in China with weeds and bushes and sticks, which I considered at that time those elements, that we were doing with antibiotics and scalpels. Wow. Yes, it, it was all about. I came home, you know, with, with my medical degree between my legs because... <laughs> of what I had been exposed to for a month that we spent in China, going from Guangzhou to Hangzhou to Beijing, going all around. We were lecturing on sports medicine. I, I, I had worked with the cervical spine, and I had published in, in a textbook, and, and I had my lecture to do cytogenesis, and I had different things to talk about in the sports medicine arena, but it was bigger than that. I came home and understood that the botanical medicine was 3,000 years old. And in my university, which I helped uh, celebrate the 250th anniversary of the University of Pennsylvania, is one of the, if not the oldest medical school in the United States of America. So there was a big differential between 3,000 years and 250 years. Yeah. <laughs> Huge. Major. Major. Yeah. So, so Nina, you asked how did I get involved. I mean, that was another big, big stepping stone for me when I got home. Humbled, humbled pie was all over my face, and uh, so I had to look and say, "What are you doing? What are you doing to to interdict with this narcotic, you know, rage or with this pharmaceutical, you know, assault?" Now. In your experience, does genes, someone's DNA or gene makeup, have a difference in the sense of um, their, how they're being affected by the CBD or the THC? I don't know whether it's really gene basic, whether it's immunologically basic, based. I'm not an immunologist. I think it's more, I think it's more related to um, the, the neurotransmitters. They have mm -hmm. the neurotransmitters working at the optimal yeah. level. I want to leave one question here for us to to take some solace with and and uh, to conjure in our minds. COVID nineteen has unveiled a lot of deficits in in, in healthcare delivery for yes. us, especially in our in our black and brown neighborhoods. But I want you to think that we constitute the United States of America constitutes four percent of the world's population, and yet. We have 25% of the cases 
uh, in the world. Mm-hmm. Now, now India is catching up right now very quickly because they're in in a, in a, in a free fall. But the, the 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 other thing beyond that is twenty percent. We had early on a twenty percent death rate, four percent population with a twenty percent death rate, and I believe that. What we did is we took out one of our natural components out of our farming ethos and and made it and put a prohibition on it. Stop using it. The 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 the, the, the animals stopped eating it. We stopped getting it in our foods. We stopped using it. And I think that has had bigger consequences because the whole point is that in 1999. At NIH, cannabis sativa L, cannabidiol, CBD, which is commonly called, was determined to be three things. Are you ready? Ready. Ready. It was it was written and patented to be an anti-inflammatory. It was written and patented to be neuroproliferative, and it was written and patented to be neuroprotective. Yes. Now. It took them from 1999 to 2003 to get a patent because it was oxymoronic. How can you say that a Schedule One drug has no no clinical purpose, and you give it three of the most major purposes that we can think of today? You know what diabetes is? Diabetes is a chronic low-grade inflammation. Do you know what dementia is? It's a chronic low-grade inflammation. You know what Alzheimer's is? It's a chronic low-grade inflammation. Do you know what IPS is? It's a low-grade chronic inflammation. I hope that you're getting the flavor. Oh, yes. Oh, yes chronic we... low-grade inflammation is a major component in all of our disease processes. And we need those anti-inflammatory components to get rid of the byproduct of the product. Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> And I thought at one point that you couldn't patent the plant, but you can what, patent a component of the plant? No, you can't patent the plant. You can't. I mean, come on. It's, they call it weed. Why, man, they call it weed, man. How you going to patent weed? <laughs> point taken. <laughs> okay, good. No, you can't patent the plant. The um, only thing I could do was um, understand that that the endocannabinoid system did not have the vitamin all- allocated to it. What is a vitamin? A vitamin is any substance that helps to perpetuate the efficacy and the efficiency of one of our biological systems. And when we, your mother made you eat your carrots because of vitamin A, she said they will make your eyes pretty, make your vision good. And she made you drink and eat all your food because of vitamin B complexes that were critically important in a number of, of number of different things. Vitamin C, if you didn't take it, you could get scurvy. That's what this, the trail that these sailors learned. Vitamin D, we know that we need that to, to get bone maintenance. Vitamin E, we know how important that is in scar formation and, and other factors. Vitamin K, can't do without because we would not have a hematological system that we didn't have the regulatory components of vitamin K. Niacin, critically important. Folate, folate has stopped, you know, the, the disruption of the neural tube. 
when a doctor Spine. finds that a woman's pregnant from a from his obstetrician gynecology standpoint, he immediately puts them on folate because folate has eliminated the Spine neural tube defects that has happened when you don't have enough. And something as simple as taking folate through your pregnancy, you're eliminating a disease process. Well, how about cannabis? Should we should cannabis be part of our normal process? Well, I believe vitamin C B D should be. And so I named it on the first day that it became legal, I named it as a as the very first vitamin of the endocannabinoid system. Please tell us about that. I was going to ask, but since you brought it up, please share. Well, I put forth to the United States Trade Office that I wanted to be that our product to be called vitamin C B D. Everybody knows and, and we want you to daily. And our credo is if you had your daily vitamin C B D today yes. to help to support your mental clarity and your bone health. So it's basically for your health, your health and wellness. Yeah, wellness. Yeah. Your, your mental health, health and, and bone health. health. I mean, those bone are the two health, things yes. that I that I that I, you know, kind of put my claws around. Mm. But th- there are many other elements. There are many other elements. We know that can, that CBD can affect the the Q receptors in the brain that can help reduce addiction behavior. Mm. Study done on done on the Mount Sinai in nineteen in nineteen in twenty eighteen. We know we know we know many many other things that cannabis does in in the uh, neurotransmitting component. And, and now I've had my point has been formulating different combinations to take advantage of different cannabinoids. There, there, there are now over a hundred different cannabinoids, but the number one cannabinoid that we talk about is THC. The number two cannabinoid we talk about is CBD. And the number three cannabinoid, which is the most, the three most frequent, is CBC. All of them come from something called CBGA. Now, I don't want to get people confused tonight. I've given a lot of letters out there. Yeah. But maybe there's another time Yes. You have me back, mm-hmm. and we can just talk about the um, the formulations of different cannabinoids and what they do. And there's something right now called Delta Eight. Yes, yes, yes. I've been, been hearing about it. I've been hearing and reading about Delta Eight. Um, and, and it's it's a loophole drug. When I say it's a loophole drug, the farm uh, the farm bill of 2018 says that you cannot have Delta nine. Mm. So what people have done is find to how to move that delta, that OH group from from the ninth position to the eighth position. And yeah, so when people are saying it's like a, the legality on that is kind of gray. Oh, gray! It's non-existent because there's <laughs> nothing. No one, nothing in the farm bill says that that delta eight is to be is to be classified, you know, or categorized as illegal. So. Yes, I know um, a woman who I've met, and she's using it for her son, and she's it's, it's she said it's been amazing for his sleep, amazing for his sleep. Well, well I have a product that I created called Toothpath. Toothpath uh, is the simplest name I could give it because it uses two different pathological mechanisms, and the one that we've been talking about mostly tonight is called the endocannabinoid system, right? Mm-hmm. That's what that's what we've been talking about is all the effects that cannabis has on the endocannabinoid system. But there's another precursor that 
system operates through another system that can be synergistic with the endocannabinoid system. Same issue, different route. And that's called and that's called the cyclooxygenase pathway. And that's the that's driven by something called CBDA. Yes, we've heard about that. Yes. And yes. A is A is just the acid form or the OH group. So that moving that OH group around has been a big has been a big thing. And uh, that oh, moving that OH that OH group, which is the acid component, which makes it an acid. Okay, um, is the precursor CBDA is the precursor to the CBD. Precursor to CBD. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We found that out. Right. Yeah. Now we, uh, you know, we had a big propensity that we wanted to get CBD. We didn't know or or appreciate or respect or care about CBDA. The CBDA has a thousand times more serotonin receptors that can help that sleep and that in, and the calming the calming component that it has. Yes, because um, we have, we know personally from personally of um, a friend of ours now that he uses the CBD only for his son with autism. Okay, well, I've had a lot of success. You know, my people was CBDH because my two pads has one half one half CBDA and one half CBD, mm-hmm. and we can get to another point in time of how how I do it because if you uh, use certain Distillation processes, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna eliminate all your CBDA. Yes, yes, that's true. If you, if you use heat, uh, when you, uh, use heat, then you 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 destroy. It. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, we definitely gonna have to have you on. Like, I can. Yeah, we're um we're both kind of geeks about this, and we want to learn more. Yeah. Um, it's that, and this is what the podcast is for, and we can have an isolated talk just about CBDA and. In our CD, journey, yeah, in our journey. So definitely, thank you so much. Yes, Doctor Mitchell, hey, it's been mind blowing. Thank you. It's it's been amazing, and just to hear the stories and just the books that you're involved in. This, it's we can relate to that because of our son. He's eight. Uh, we've been in this path for six years. Um, family members in the beginning were like, uh, "So you're going to give this to your kid? He's going to get high?" And, you know all the <laughs> questions. And it's like, my God, exactly. And then years later, come to us. Hey, did you know that CB? It's like, we've been, we've been doing this for years. What do you think we've been, you know, (laughs) what this was all about? So, I mean, hearing the things you were sharing with it, it it brought back a lot of memories, you know, of our journey and to this point. And then to hear the things that you're involved in and what you're doing, it's like, oh my God, finally, you know, someone we could just connect with. Because I mean, there are some great people in this industry, I have to say. And they've been very helpful. Um, but to find someone like yourself who is really in deep in what you're doing, it's like, okay, we're going to stay in touch. Yeah, and for, for me, it's like not that many doctors um, where your credentials are really speaking out about CBD. And I have a, we have a lot of people who are very hesitant. Even if their child has a neurological issue, they still are very, very hesitant to try. And I think they're waiting for more MDs to come out. Yeah, yeah. No doubt, no doubt. And we're waiting for more research. Yeah. See, five children in the United States, and there's there's 58 million children in the United States, which means that 2.9, almost 3 million children in the United States uh, are going to be exposed to seizures at some time in their yeah. early life. Yeah, like our son. Yes. So, 
So how can we help those 3 million kids, including Aiden and uh, Sage and Charlotte and Asa? Okay. Now, I've just added your son to to some fictitious characters, but those characters <laughs> tell the story. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a walking miracle in our story. Uh, but, Dr. Mitchell, if people wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Oh, go to dailyvitamincbd.com. Yes. And that's the website, and we can be contacted through our website. That's the best way. And place your order, and we'll get it out in the mail tomorrow, okay? And uh, have you had your daily vitamin CBD today to help with, for your, with your mental clarity support, your mental clarity, and your bone health? Appreciate yes. it. Thank you very much, Dr. Mitchell. And we will be in touch, and we will definitely look forward to having you back on because I think there's, there's more. You know, there's always more. All right? Fantastic, please, and thank you. No, thank you very much for your help and your time. All right, God bless. Take care. Bless you.